0: Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live questions. However... We don't always have enough time to get through. Well, we usually don't have enough time to get through all the live questions that get, sent, that get sent in. But I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. And joining me today to help us get through all these questions is Kimberly Curran. Kimberly, how you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. I'm doing
1: good. It was good to see you yesterday. Yes, it was. And I have to tell you, my abs, or what's left of my abs from my 20s, are in so much pain. I laughed. So much yesterday, more than I have in the past 14 months. Oh, that's good. M- meeting John and Elizabeth meeting um Robert Meyer Burnett and Elizabeth. Because you've never met him in person. I never met him that's in right. person, and I was so excited to meet him. I was in stitches. I was in my face hurt from <laughs> laughing. We were
0: just cutting it up. It was so much fun. He's a good guy to be around. And I've never seen you. In my backyard, I mean, you I know it's so funny. I always right walked past it and I was like, oh yeah. And it looks amazing. I love it. Well, it was good to have you here. And it's good to have you guys here with us right now as we're getting through all these great topics and fun topics of conversation that you guys have sent in. So let's not waste any time and get right to it. Kimberly, what is up first? All right, this is from Jay Wentz. He says,
1: "Hey, John and Rob, have either one of you seen Lupin on Netflix? Omar Sy stars, and S2 comes out this Friday. It's like a Sherlock show if he was a charming black French thief, <laughs> always a step ahead. Highly recommend if y'all haven't seen it.
0: I have not. I watched the trailer for it. Actually, Netflix put out a big trailer and a big preview of season two. I never even heard of the show." So not only have I not seen season one, I've not even heard of season one, or I've really even heard of the show. And I was thrown. I'm like, "What's wrong with this?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, it was being dubbed because I guess yes. it's actually done in French." Yes, but I've never seen the original season. Although the trailer for season two looked really interesting. Have you watched the show? It's so good. I've watched the show. It's. I'm excited
1: for season two. Um, it's really good. And you know what? You get past the um that it's dubbed. You know, pretty quickly because it does kind of throw you off a little. You know, it's got that little. Delay, right? Um, but it's almost like a Ocean's Eleven kind of feel. But it's one guy, and so it's super cool. And I re- and I really like him. I really like Omar Sy. He's what? like um, making making a big name for himself. The I like. Trailer
0: him. looked really good, so I might have to check out the first season. Real charismatic guy. Yeah. All right. Good.
1: What's next? Wiley Todd says, "Hey John, have you seen the movie Never Back Down, two thousand eight? I know it's bad, but." It's a great watch, great guilty pleasure, and I gotta admit, Baywatch twenty seventeen with Rock and Efron is also one of my favorite guilty pleasures.
0: All right, well, first of all, let's let's do some real talk here. The Baywatch movie was awful. This this is this is how bad, <laughs> this is how bad that Baywatch movie was. I, uh, Christian Harloff, and I went to go watch it. I believe it was at Paramount's lot. And so we went to Paramount Studios, went on the lot to watch this special screening of it, and in comes walking a buddy of mine who actually works for Paramount. Okay. He's like, oh, glad you guys made it to this. Like, yeah. And then he sat down, not beside us, but, you know, there's an aisle in the theater, and then he sat on the chair right across from us. And I swear to God, if my friend who worked for Paramount was not sitting in that seat right across the aisle, I would have left. And I've only walked out of, like, four (laughs) movies in my entire life, maybe three, and I would have walked out of Baywatch. Oh no! It's that bad. I mean, it's hard. And I it, thought the trailers was were was it self-aware great. bad. No, it was just bad bad. Or was it? Because I,
1: I I saw it and I mean, it's a comedy. I don't remember it very well. I remember Priyanka Chopra. That's that was safety, kind of one of her
0: big. That's a that's a self defense mechanism. Your mind kicking in, not letting yourself <laughs> remember it. It's it's so. And I love Zac Efron. And I love Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And I thought the trailers looked awesome. The trailer was the movie's so bad. Anyway, getting to never back down though. Never back down isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It isn't bad. And I remember it caught my attention because back in 2008, it was one of one of the first MMA movies to come out. And it had one of my favorite actors, Jaimon Hansu, in it, so I love him. It had who would become, you know, uh uh kick-ass a sidekick and uh Quicksilver in the in uh, the Fox X-Men universe, Evan Peters, <laughs> and it had Amber Heard and it's not bad, but it's it's I not need to check that great. out you should check it out maybe it out I don't think it's bad. I think it's actually okay yeah but you know it was also very early in the days of people trying to make people who didn't understand MMA trying to make a movie about MMA in some way shape or form so it's not bad but you know it is what it is. All nice. right what's next? This is
1: coming from Preston the Kryptonian. Hey, John. So this month marks the 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Unbelievable how old that movie is. Also wanted to wish a happy birthday to my mom. Thanks for all you do, John.
0: Well, first of all, good on you for wishing your mom a happy birthday. That's good. You know, every once in a while, a movie celebrates an anniversary and you go, that movie's 20 years old, right? But then sometimes movies... Hit anniversaries, and you're like, Yeah, that movie. I mean, yeah, again, Willy Wonka was out before I was born, so it's like, Yeah, that, that movie, anything that any movie that comes out before I was born, it, it all feels really old, right? I think we all feel that way. Any movie that came out before we were born just feels really old, so I'm not surprised to hear that. But a tremendously important, iconic movie that everybody knows about. So, happy birthday to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory! All right, what's next?
1: SJ says, hi, John, my friend asked me an interesting question, so I'll put it to you. With LeBron at a low moment after losing first round of playoffs, will this have negative effect on the Space Jam box office? It would be
0: positive if a film made
1: finals slash won a ring.
0: No, it wouldn't have. I, actually, somebody asked me this identical question a few days ago, and I said the exact same thing. It would have made no difference. LeBron and the Lakers could have won the championship this year. I don't think it would have helped uh, space Jam whatsoever. And don't forget, they just won the NBA title. I mean, they just, they're currently, as of right now, they're still the defending champions, even though they're out of the thing. So even if they won the title, I don't think it would have helped it. they The Lakers could have not made the playoffs, and I don't think it would hurt it. It, it is what it is. LeBron is now LeBron. It doesn't matter. His legacy is set. And the reality is anybody who follows basketball knows that, you know, Antonio or Anthony Davis was basically a non-factor LeBron was playing in the playoffs with a high ankle sprain everybody knows all this so yeah had they won a ring wouldn't have made a difference had they not made the playoffs it wouldn't have made a difference that movie's going to do what it's going to do and I think it's going to flop I thought it was going to flop from day one and I'm a huge LeBron fan I'm a big LeBron fan, but I think this movie's gonna flop. I have zero interest in it whatsoever. I thought the trailer was terrible.
1: Well, were you excited when Space Jam was coming out back in the 90s? Were you like, oh, this is gonna flop, or this is I'm
0: excited to see Michael Jordan? Or I wasn't excited to see Michael Jordan. I thought it was novel. Because that because really, there's only so many movies that are of that ilk, right? Like you got Roger Rat who framed Roger Rabbit and things like that. And so when the first Space Jam came out, there was an incredible. The word novelty has a bad rap and has like negative connotations to it, but really, no. It, it was had a really great novelty to it, and so yeah, I was very much looking forward to that when it came out. I mean, I don't hold that original movie as a special place in my heart like some people do. It's a like, guy. I yeah, remember Space Jam. Are like, yeah. but some people it's it's like, so like so special to. It's like a part of their childhood. Yep, and they love it. And I was. I always liked it, but I never had it like as a special place in my heart. So when they said they were doing another one, I thought this is pointless and about 15 years too late. Uh, now, granted, we haven't had another Michael Jordan until now in, in LeBron James. So I get that. But no, I thought the trailer was bad. I don't I really don't think this is going to do well. I really, really don't. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether they won the title this year or last year. Or they didn't make the playoffs. Or got knocked out. It doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to do well. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. I'm just taking a guess, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, what's next?
1: This is coming from HV3. John, have you read or listened to Seth Rogan's new autobiography, Yearbook? I highly recommend, especially on Audible. Great production and very good story about his life. The encounter he has with
0: other celebrities is hilarious. So I, continue- have, I have listened to some of this because Anne got it. Oh, she did? And Anne listened to the whole thing. And she was like, you got to listen to some of this as we were making our our drive to L.A. And it's about a 45 minute to an hour drive. So I was I was listening to a part that he was telling a story about when he was like a Boy Scout and a part of like like some kind of Boy Scout thing in Canada because he's Canadian. Yeah. And their troop got. Like lost in the wilderness during a heavy rainstorm and one of their counselors had broken an ankle and they were in real trouble and real danger. Sounds they like ed- Troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they got they got saved and it was really good. And he does something interesting with the book in that when he's reading, like when there's uh, like, oh, the, our camp counselor, Cynthia, she was freaked out. And she said, instead of saying what she would say, he got a female actress a voice actress to, to read the lines. Oh, of the I like that. So it was yeah. almost like when he was telling the stories, it was almost like a little bit of a radio production. So it's good. So I haven't heard the whole thing, but what I listened to is really funny. A good, again, Seth Rogen, good Canadian kid talking, talking about stories about growing up in Vancouver area. I want like to, I want
1: to listen to this. I love like,
0: um, actor,
1: like, or, or entertainer, like autobiographies, like Rob Lowe, uh, stories. I only tell my friends. It's he's such a great writer. He's such a great storyteller, but like people that we like and we love to watch them, like when they let us in and tell us their stories. Cause I listened to his podcast on um, Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. Right. Seth Rogen was on and telling stories about like how he lived by himself, like when he was a kid or something weird like that. But I was so intrigued. So I'm like really excited to. There's
0: two I highly recommend. Get into this. Two That I highly recommend. One is I can't remember the name of it, but it's Joe Coy's, the comedian Joe, Joe Coy's. Coy. He just has one out He's it's getting his own show. Amazing. Mine and Ann's favorite story that he tells. Because you got, for those of you who don't know, my wife Ann is Asian. And he was telling this story about how when he was a kid, his mom started dating uh, uh, an American white guy. And this guy is like, Joe Coy considers this guy his true father. Mm-hmm. Like apparently They have a wonderful relationship. But he says, now, of course, Joe Coy is Filipino, which is one of the reasons why Ann and her family love, because Ann is Filipino as well. But this is my favorite story. in <laughs> He says, and I can't remember what his stepdad's name is. Let's just call him Ron, okay. for argument's sake. He said, one day when I was like 13, Ron said to me, uh, you know why I love your mom so much? Because I love Chinese food. And I said, Ron, she's Filipino, not Chinese. And Ron looked at me and smiled and said, Rice is rice. And now, <laughs> when, when Ann and I, now when oh, Ann and I just about died, we just about died. <laughs> rice, rice is rice. rice. <laughs> and Ann and I just about died when he said that line. Oh, and now crap. every once in a while, whenever either of us, Ann or I, last couple of weeks whenever either of us had the slightest misunderstanding about what the other said like like some confusion or something one of one of us would just go rice is rice and (laughs) and we'll just but that's one so joe coy one is really funny but very insightful the other one which is fantastic amy puller i was yes please going
1: to say it's called yes please Please.
0: it's so so she does that with voices too
1: she'll have but like her mom it's like my mom in the 1950s this Amy, that's not how things were. <laughs> and so her parents will come in with their non-actor voices. And it's just, first of all, she's a boss. Yeah, she is. I don't want to say bitch because it's demeaning. She's a boss. And just it's not demeaning the way you were gonna say it. She's a boss,
0: bitch. Yes, um, she is. But
1: um, but she, I love, love, love her book.
0: Yeah, and it was really interesting because she tells her story too about her relationship with Will Arnett. And, you know, them going when they went through divorce, but we're still like really supportive of each other after the blah. It's like so it's very insightful, but inspiring and funny. At the same time, she's vulnerable in it. It's those types of qualities that make it, most actor biographies. I really don't give a shit about, to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's the ones that do the things like what Joe Coy's book does and what Amy Poehler's book does that really make you feel like you get invested in who they are. So I really so there's a couple ones to keep in mind. Super All right. relatable. What's next?
1: All right, still coming from HV3 in Yearbook. Seth reveals that he has been trying to get the rights for the Last Starfighter since he started making movies, but the owner of the rights refuses to sell. Hopefully, he will change his mind at some point. I would love to see a remake.
0: Well, listen, there has been a lot of talk recently about like the original director and stuff like that. They've already they've got storyboards for a new Last Starfighter. And they are trying to get this pink thing pulled together. Now, listen, Seth Rogen, good Canadian kid. Obviously, I love the stuff that he's been producing. I don't know as great as the stuff he's been producing is, like The Boys and Invincible and whatever. I, I don't know that his sensibilities are the right sensibilities as a fit for the Last Starfighter, and I because I love the Last Starfighter. Um, and I don't know that, and I love him, but I don't know that his are the right sensibilities for it. Anyway, at some point, I do hope they get another one made because I've been waiting for that for a long time. All right, what's next?
1: Nosferatu says, The Toronto Maple Leaves just recalled their toy line because of a choking hazard.
0: Really? That's like a, that's a week old. You're a little little late on that, Nosferatu. little late on that one. All right, what's next? Luke1234
1: says, Would you rather have... A Star Wars trilogy directed by Spielberg, produced by Feige, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and Russell Crowe, or the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup and you have tickets
0: behind the Leafs penalty box. Uh, That's easy. I've I've had lots of Star Wars movies in my life. I've had lots (laughs) of Steven Spielberg movies in my life. I've had lots of Kevin uh, Kevin Feige movies in my life. I've had lots of Russell Crowe movies in my life. Got them all. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have never been to the Stanley Cup finals in my entire lifetime. As long as I've been alive, they've never been there. It would be literally a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So, yes, if the movie gods came to me, if the movie gods and the sports gods came to me together, you know, say, hey, we formed a partnership, we're going to grant you one wish. You can get this thing with this Star Wars movie or you get the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup, it's going to be something that very well may never happen in my lifetime. A Stanley Cup. We'll get more Star Wars movies. I'll get more Steven Spielberg movies. I'll get more Russell Crowe movies. I'll get more Kevin Feige movies but the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup would have been a once in a lifetime, so that's what I would pick. All right, what's next?
1: The Image Wizard says, I love being back at the movies. I have been going to the theaters regularly since 1980 when I was in high school. Only once have I had a problem with pe- people being noisy and once where the theater had
0: camera or power problems. I must be blessed. Yeah, this has come up a bunch in the last little while, About you know how often do you really encounter uh, like a significant significant like to the point that it ruins the movie for you problem in a movie theater and you know i've been saying lately that honestly not often i mean maybe once out of every 15 to 20 times that i go to the theater like look obviously many movies out there'll be a couple people whispering to each other during the movie and i can hear it whatever every once in a while a baby will start crying for a bit but you know the parent takes them out or they settle down whatever or but honestly, like to the point where somebody's like, answering their phone, you know, and that they're not talking during the theater. Or this one time when I saw this uh, uh Jim Carrey movie, I think it's called the number twenty three, where me and my, my Oh yeah, buddy, that dark
1: one with yeah, Maria Bella or something.
0: Not like good, that. not good. But we had these like four teenage girls behind us that would not shut the f up like just blah blah even my my i thought my friend was gonna hit one my friend like literally shut up you stupid you know like just because they were awful like really really awful oh my gosh but that stuff like i said maybe 2.5 percent of the time once out of every 15 once out of every 20 times i found it very rare and I, i rob has said the same thing very rare for him you're saying the same thing image wizard now that's we all have different experiences. Yeah, just because that's been our experience doesn't mean it be yours. But I, I find it really doesn't happen that often. What about you? What's your experience has been like?
1: I only had one experience that was scary, where some guy. It was right at the beginning. You know when they started assigning seats.
0: Yes, which is awesome.
1: Which yeah, which I love. And some guy was like confused, and it was a it was at Godzilla, uh, King the monster. No, yeah. Godzilla the, King of the monster. Yeah, and and it was a packed theater. It was the first day. And so he, big guy, he had to be like six, six, big dude, huge. And he starts yelling, Who's seated in seat 10? And I'm like, Well, each row has a seat 10, ding right. dong. But he starts yelling, and it's a packed theater. And me and my dad just looked at me like, Is something gonna go down? Like, what? And then he starts cussing people out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, but that was a one off. And, I wasn't going to stop going to the movies, but I will say if you're going to see like a Marvel movie and you're like a super fan like me, it's important to go with the right crowd. True. Because I did get shushed at Endgame when I went, no. And someone (laughs) shushed me. And I was
0: like, for
1: for real. Oh, you're not going to make it through the rest of these three hours. If you're going to have a problem with that. No. And
0: look, I'll tell you what, in any movie, like I, I've talked to some people. It's like, this one lady wouldn't stop laughing. I'm like, you were watching Wedding Crashers. What do you uh, uh, like? These movies are experiential events. Like, yeah, you don't want people talking on the phone. You don't want people having rough, no. ongoing conversations with each other. I get that. Yeah. But you're going to an experiential event. You gotta on. Un- you gotta give leeway to the idea of a horror movie if somebody goes. Eh! If it's what Titanic and
1: someone won't stop laughing, that's.
0: On? Oh yes, or shut uh, their lips sh- and they I won't stop. That, I think that's
1: yeah. it, like that's
0: a bit odd.
1: You know what's I mean, funny?
0: I get emails all the time from from our friends in the UK who say like, "Oh, what's their experience?" It's a like? totally different experience for you guys in the US and the UK. We don't have outward reactions to movies. Really? In the UK, I'm like, really. Okay, that just seems odd to me. Is it impolite? I'm probably considered impolite or something like that. But for me, like, if you're at a football game, the team scores, you cheer. If you're in a comedy, if there's a funny joke, you laugh. If there's a horror and something happens, you scream. If it's an action film, you gasp or cheer. I mean, it's just...
1: They don't, they don't, I mean, cause like sad movies, I have been in theaters where I'm crying and thank goodness I can hear the sniffles and I'm like, good, because I am going to lose it. Like everyone else is crying
0: too. Oh, geez. And I,
1: I like that feeling of togetherness, but yes, they don't do that in the UK. That's
0: the magic of the movies to really? me. I, saw, I remember I watched, the first time I watched Life is Beautiful, the Roberto Benigni film. And yeah. I literally, like without exaggeration, I was in a theater and there were a whole bunch of bikers in the theater. And when that movie got towards its end. Getting all your cry on. <laughs> 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 like the whole theater, bikers and all. I mean, and that's great. That's the that's magic the of the movie. the beauty of yeah.
1: films is we're I all agree. feeling the same thing right now. But all I am right. not feeling your bright screen while I'm watching a film. So don't do that. All right. What's next? Paul Star Guy says, and this is one of three. Just saw A Quiet Place Part 2. Saw first movie last Saturday on FX. Liked both movies. Tension is set up really well, and they're both very well done. They're both done very well. Main question, why are the aliens here? Possible answer, at the beginning of 2, day 1, where we see something fiery coming through the atmosphere, maybe a mothership exploded. Creatures may have been shock troops, similar to TNT falling skies now on HBO max or captives who threw their captors creatures thinking seems more animal instinct than human. Now they're
0: unorganized running amok, trying to survive. Ultimately, the answer for me is it doesn't matter. I I really don't care. I don't care why the aliens are there. And I think that's key because to the people on the ground, that's not important. With the people on the ground, it's this terrifying thing is happening. They're just trying to survive. they trying so- to survive. You know what it reminded me of is tr- is like Train to Busan.
1: Right. It's not about the zombies at all. It's about all of those relationships. And was it intense? Was it like, I'm scared out of my mind, this claustrophobic situation, and now we're going to have to train— like, yeah, like they hit the nail on the head with fear and intensity, but at the end of the day, it was about these relationships and the father-daughter relationship and a husband and his wife and their new baby. And like, you know, it was more about the heart. So I'm right there with you. I totally agree. My
0: only theory I have is that when you look at what happened in Quiet Place 2 with they looked up and they clearly saw this giant thing, almost like a meteor falling to yeah. my one theory is Uh, whatever planet they're from exploded. And they, like cockroaches, can just survive. They can just survive space that doesn't hurt them and their thing crashes on Earth. Great, and now they're infesting Earth. But I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I don't care. I don't care if they never answer that question in the, uh, cause you know, there's going to be quiet place three and I don't really care. I almost don't want them to answer the question because it's not the important thing. So, uh, don't know. All I know is that those movies are awesome. I really love them. All right. What's next?
1: Ryan G says, hi, John, sorry for putting you on the spot with my 1994 movie question. (laughs) Thank you for your recommendation for True Lies. I'll watch it soon after I'm finished with watching the Fast and the Furious franchise from start to finish.
0: Yeah, so somebody asked me, John, you, know, you can't say Lion King. What's your favorite movie, 1994? And I'm like, <laughs> do I look like Scott Mans? I have, I don't know what movies came out in 1994. Like, I remember True Lies, and I said a couple of others. Not do even it for what, your country. Yeah, not even sure. What movies are, we're talking, what we are talking 28 years ago or something like that. Is that 94, 20, 28 years sure. ago? I don't know. I don't remember what comes out, but that's fine. I don't mind that you ask. I'm just saying, I hope you don't mind that. I like, I don't walk around with a Rolodex of movie dates in my head. So I'm sure I even mentioned some of the ones I mentioned were probably wrong. So, but no problem. And yes, True Lies It is my all time favorite action film. Number one, all-time favorite action film. Uh, the the late, great Paxton, Bill Paxton. Uh, obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who is terrific in it. Tom Arnold, who He's has never been funny in anything so ever. So good in that. Is so good in true Lies. You know what she stole the money for? An abortion. I mean, I just about die. And then, of course, oh, uh, the one who plays his wife uh, from Jamie Halloween. Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis in, to me, other people say Halloween. That's fine. You take that garbage. To me, the quintessential Jamie Lee Curtis performance. The scene where she's dancing where for she's him. He's
1: dancing in the dark. And then he drops the recorder. And he's
0: oh, my done. God. <clears throat> yes. Do it slowly. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and then Tia Carrera. That, oh, that that's yeah. when, like She became like my celebrity crush for like a year after that. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. It's so good. True lies. Go watch it. All right. What's next?
1: Skylar Hillman says, greetings, John and Co. With all the hype and buzz surrounding NWH, how do you think? Do you think all of it is going to be another Hugh Jackman and endgame type of scenario? I need another. You'll get your rent when you fix this damn door scene.
0: Bully McGuire i i'll be straight up with you i don't know what nwh is i keep asking you guys please don't send in just acronyms because if i don't know it off the top of my head i'm not going to waste everybody else's time trying to figure out what it is so anyway uh so we'll just have to sorry about that skylar but i i don't know what nwh is all right what's next
1: my comic planet says john all i have to say is you're welcome I think I was the last person to recommend you to watch Warrior. I told you it was great, didn't I? LOL, I'm praying there will be a season three. Could you go into more detail on what you love so much about the show? Yeah,
0: so I, I recently started watching C- the Cinemax show that is now on HBO Max called Warrior, and they just recently announced they're going to do a season three, which uh, Dennis Zen and I were talking about it last night. We are so freaked out. We're so excited about it. I was obviously very late to the party. I started watching it a couple nights ago. I watched all two seasons in three days. I, I just couldn't, stop. I stayed up to four 30 in the morning one night to finish it off. Like I just, I couldn't stop watching it. It's so good to me. The best way I know to put it, it's a mix between into the badlands with game of Thrones. But one of the things that I love about it, even though it's set in like 1876 or something like that, it feels very relevant to today. And I won't go into political stuff, but there is some very disturbingly familiar thematic things going on in that show to what the what we deal with today. And so it's that mix. It's that mix of um. it's the best martial arts I've ever seen in a TV show because you got Storm Shadow and uh, Sub-Zero fighting in it. So that's good enough for me right there. So you got the best martial arts I've ever seen in a TV show. Yes, even better than Into the Badlands. And then you've got all the interpersonal political stuff in uh, intrigue and espionage and betrayal going on that you get in like a game of Thrones. And I'm not saying this show is as good as game of Thrones. I'm just saying it makes it incredibly wonderful. The characters are complex. Even the ones that you don't think are going to end up being much like there's this character named Chow in it, who by the time season two ends, I'm like, this dude is like one of my favorite characters in the show. Now, even though the way it starts, you don't really think he's going to be important to the show at all. Uh, Atoy, you know, th- there's this uh, character, this woman who runs this Chinese brothel house. You think, okay, she's, she's going to be this little side character that pops in now again. But she's got this incredibly rich, deep story. Obviously, Assam, the main character, he they drive him great. Young June, Father June. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing the way they go into character depth and detail. The action is nonstop, but it's not just action. It's got tremendous characters and story to go along with it. And really, have you watched Warrior at all? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. you have. Yeah, yeah. What do yeah. you think about Warrior? Oh,
1: the martial arts for TV. Oh. I mean cuz for TV sometimes you'll have some scenes that are like that was a good fight scene.
0: They every are single one on point. I'm like, "Damn." Yeah, you know every who's, single fight scene's on point. Some of my favorite fight scenes is Young June, who all he does is fight with knives. That's all he does. I mean, there's even a part in the show where Assam says to him, You know, you should learn to fight just with your fist. He goes, What's the fun in that? And he's just go, he's just slicing everybody up. That's I cruel. mean, I and but I you know, I was talking to Ann and I are talking like there are so many racial terms I have never heard of before. White dudes are ducks. I've never heard that. I have never heard that phrase before. Sex is sticky. <laughs> Let's go get some sticky. I'm like, what the hell is sticky? Was he gonna get like honey or something? I had no <laughs> idea what they're talking about onions never heard that as a phrase for people like an onion Coolie. i'd never heard that before it's weird what do they what do they call the cops again bulls yeah well, i was like i've never heard that as a slang before so i'm i'm learning a whole new language at the same time i love this show <laughs> all right what's next
1: my comic planet has one of two John, I have another great show to recommend. It's called Mr. In-Between on Hulu. It's about a hitman debt collector in Australia who lives an everyday life. It has Breaking Bad vibes, but also with that dry Australian humor. What's also impressive is the main character, Ray, played brilliantly by actor Scott Ryan, is also the creator. Just like I told you Warrior would be great, this is amazing. And the episodes are only 30 minutes long, so easy to digest. Must watch.
0: You know, I've never seen Mr. in Between, but I see Good. them playing previews for it all the time. And it's totally got that exact vibe. The vibe I was getting from Comic Planet was the exact way you describe it. And I also, you know, the fact that you, you, the main character's name is Ray. It's funny that it is because I also get Ray Donovan vibes from it, which was a show I used to really like. So yeah, this is one I'm going to have on my queue. At some point, I'm going to start watching it because it looks it looks quite good. All right, what's next?
1: I started it. It's good. Nice. Brian Solis says to the gruesome twosome, John and Rob, I saw F9, <laughs> and to quote Coach, "Fucking embarrassing." Mm. People talk about embracing the ridiculous. Does Vin Diesel realize they're ridiculous? In this interview, he speaks as if he is cinema.
0: Delusion is a hell of a thing. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you how bad I think Fast 9 is. Brian,
1: delusion is a hell of a thing.
0: I Because I am a... I wanted to see it. I was so excited. It's coming. Well, listen, it might be for you. It might work. Like just because it doesn't work for me or Rob or anybody I know who's seen it, just because it didn't work for us, doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. I mean, as a matter of fact, give me one quick second here. If I look up F nine on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's it's got it was around sixty five percent the last time I looked. So on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it's got well with only twenty six reviews right now. It's got a sixty nine percent, which is is good. That means the majority of the critics are delusional. And like it, it's all subjective. I thought it was absolute garbage. And that is coming from a guy who really likes to loves F4, F5, F6, F7. And I even like F8. And part of the reason I love them is because they do embrace the ridiculousness. But there comes a point when it's so much too much. (laughs) A
1: dinosaur. Picks him up. They're they're
0: they're they're <laughs> half a breath away from that. I wouldn't that. be surprised. They are half a breath away from that. I'm scared because aren't they making a t- now? They are doing ten. Yes. Someone said they're doing an eleven. Are they? They're stopping at ten, right? They say they're stopping at ten, stop. but then again, it all depends. Like we know they're doing another Hobbs and Shaw movie, and we know they're doing like so. Who knows when they'll stop? I. I here's what I think. F9 is going to make a lot of money because everybody's been very excited to watch it. Yeah. Then if they do t- F10, I think it's take a big dip at the box office because I think a lot of people are going to feel burned by F9. It's it's really horrible. And listen, I also say this as a big, I don't know if you know this, I'm a big Vin Diesel fan. I know. I really like Vin Diesel a lot. And I was excited about this movie and I this I think this is the worst fast. And Furious I swear movie. if I
1: see a T-Rex claw just come out. No, don't worry. In you're 10, not gonna see this I'll one. It.
0: <laughs> but you're not far away from it. All right. What's next?
1: BK Dan says, John, want to recommend a book for Rob. Star Trek Q Continuum. John Lancey, who plays Q, did a lot of consulting for the character in the book. Ties together the barriers at the center of the galaxy at at the edge. Half of the galaxy. Here's two. Also explains the original series character of Trelane. Also ties in a lot of original series and next generation through the eyes of Q. He'll love it. Lots of fun. Tell him he can
0: find on Amazon to buy. Well, here's the thing, BK, Dan. I mean, who are we kidding? Rob has read this book. (laughs) I mean, who are we kidding? I mean, Rob's not here for me to ask him this question, but who are we kidding? If it's a Star Trek book, he's read it. I, I I doubt there's a Star Trek book in existence that he hasn't read. So I'm sure if he was here, he would give some commentary on it, but I don't think there's anything to worry about BK. I'm pretty sure he's probably read that, but thanks for putting that on everybody else's radar who might be interested in it. All right, what's next?
1: BK Dan says, John, have you seen the classic anime Vampire Hunter D from 1985? It can be found on YouTube for free with ads English dubbed in Japanese originally. This
0: is going to surprise you, but yes, I have seen this. My a buddy of mine back in Canada, the guy who was actually one of my original co-hosts on my very first, we were the first movie podcast in the world. It was the movie blog audio edition. Uh, it was his name's Darren Connolly and Darren Connolly. Loved this, and so I, one day when I was over hanging out at his house, he's like, "Okay, you got to watch. We're gonna sit down and watch this." And he played for, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not even a big anime guy, like at all, but it, that one is actually pretty good. So I have Darren Connolly to thank for putting that one on my radar. All right, what's next?
1: The sock says I just started watching Warrior. Only one episode. Two Only on, only episode, on two. episode two, sorry. And I'm already in love with it. But HBO, you better fix this piece of shit you call a scrub bar. I tried to navigate to certain timestamp and it took me back to the beginning every fucking time. You know
0: what's funny? I am hearing a number of, okay, first of all, HBO Max is a terrific streaming service. I, I really like having this service. But while I have personally not had any technical issues, I have been hearing from a number of people like, a bunch of people having this mystery scrolling bar on the side that nobody knows why it's there or how to get rid of it. Uh, I've never had that problem, but a bunch of people have. I've heard a couple people so mentioning their scrubbing has been really problematic, that whenever they try to jump forward or scrub back, there's been a problem. Again, I have not had that problem, but I'm hearing a number of people. You've had some issues with HPX, haven't you? I, this past week. I
1: just, I'd never, because I heard people talk about that and I never saw it. And then this past week, I'm like, what is this? (laughs) And I was so freaking frustrated. And then I was doing something and I I forgot to press pause. And so when I went back to move it, forever, took me Mm. forever to get back to where I was. And I was so, and I started thinking it was my internet and And then I was like, oh yeah, it's just HBO Mac. It's really starting to frustrate me. So yeah, I I feel you suck.
0: I hope they fix that up because it's a very good service. It would suck if they really start to turn a lot of people off due to like technical issues like that. All right. What's next?
1: And the sock says, and yes, this is a problem exclusive to HBO. I've had no problems with Netflix or Amazon, but HBO, like every other time, does this shit. I hate watching stuff on my phone. So if it happens again, I'll watch something else because my mind will melt in frustration.
0: Uh, Again, it always sucks when an experience that's supposed to be great and fun gets soured because of some outside external issue like that so i really do hope they get that feel your pain sock i feel your pain i hope they get that fixed up all right what's next
1: bk dan says john lol time fast and furious and star wars crossed over they say justice for han i say why because han shot first just had to by the way botf
0: bring on the filthy and bk i'm not gonna lie to you brother I've had about four other people write in that same joke before, so I mean, I'm gonna just gotta just be real with you, brother. Just being real with you, but yes, on shot first. All right, what's next?
1: Caleb says, just saw first episode of the new Netflix show Sweet Tooth. Another winner so far. Good mythology, great premise, and. Very lavish production. Can't wait to see where it goes. P.S. James Brolin, Josh's father, narrates and his voice is truly majestic. Keep you posted.
0: Thanks. First of all, James Brolin is a boss. James Brolin is like a true OG boss. Like he's great. Um, This is the one that's actually produced by Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Him and his wife and their production company are are the, the producers of this. And I'm not going to lie to you. It looks dumb to me. It it looks but really he's dumb. he's got
1: antlers. It's so cute.
0: I know, but he has antlers and a little <laughs> tail and he looks adorable. So cute. I I but I'm hearing very good things about it and I definitely going to have to start watching it cuz again, it I, I first personally, I love it when there's a there's a movie or a show that I think just looks dumb and then watch it and fall in love with it. I love that. I I love it when that happens. So hopefully Sweet Tooth will be the next one of those for me. But again, hearing nothing but very good things about it. So I'm going to check it out here pretty soon. All right. What's next?
1: Ryan says, hi, John. When you answered my question for the what to watch for 1994 movie, and you said, I'm not Scott Mance. Answering this question was laughable. LOL, John. Sorry again for the inconvenience. Have a nice day.
0: Yeah. And I, by the way, I, I don't know what's going on. Scott Mance told me he was coming over last night, and he didn't show up. Oh, really? Yeah. Screw Scott Mance. No, I I love Scott. (laughs) Um, Yeah, again, I am not a movie dates guy, like, at all. But Scott Mance, like, Rob is very, very good at movie dates. He's very good at movie dates. Scott is even on another level. Like, you, you bring up a movie, like, I can mention... Uh, Kenny Rogers movie, Six Pack. Ah, yes, Scott would say. You know, 1983, February 1983. (laughs) Kenny, I mean, he'd, he'd be able to do that. It is freaky. It's like a mutant power that dude has. But I do not have that power. All right, what's next?
1: Luis Santos says... Once more into the fray, into the last good fight I'll never know. Live and die on this day, live and die on this day. The Grey is such an underrated movie. Neeson and Guerrillo have great performances.
0: Yeah, Liam Neeson's quite good in this movie. Um, the reason I always think about, the, whenever I think about The Grey, and The Grey is very good. The Grey is very, very good. Some people get frustrated by the ending. Didn't but, like the ending. Yeah, a lot of people get frustrated bitter. at the ending. Um, and I get that. But it was the first time, it was the first thing that I got to meet Liam Neeson was when they were doing press for uh, The Grey. Yeah. And I got to meet him. Man, he comes across as like, they always portray him as this intimidating guy in the movies, right? You don't realize how big Liam Neeson is. He's a big man. Is he? Yeah. And when... And that voice. See, his proportions, proportions, you don't think he looks like a big guy. And then you meet him in person. It's like, he's a big dude. And when he shook my hand, I got big mitts. Like, I, I got pretty big hands. His hands, like, dwarfed mine. Really? And it's like, this... This is an intimidating dude. You're
1: giving me Ken Peele by Liam Neeson. The Liam 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 (laughs) it.
0: But even just his voice. Like when he talks (gasps) to you, you're like, holy shit. i love to meet him. He's an intimidating, but he was totally great uh, to talk to. He was totally great. But yes, The Grey is a good movie. Uh, uh, Some people have mixed reactions to the ending of it, granted. But overall, it's a good film. If you get a chance, you should check it out. All right, what's next?
1: Big Will says, keep up the great work, guys. I'm a huge fan. My question is for Rob.
0: Uh, Bad news. He's not here, but go on. (laughs) What do you think about Bosch
1: season seven trailer? What did you think? Also, do you think, what do you think the show's legacy will be?
0: Do you watch Bosch? Uh, My dad got me on it. I Um, watched season one of Bosch. It's one of these shows where I watched the first season. I liked it. But I just never continued. Never continued. I have no reason why. I just I don't know why. But I like to see. him. what's the lead guy's name? He pops. He was you just in I was Mandalorian. Just
1: think, yep, I he was, was just, just a, thinking of him. And he
0: was he had a recurring role in Sons of Anarchy. As a part of the uh, the Irish, he was one of the he was a member, one of the 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 lieutenants of the Irish Kings. What it's Titus Welliver. Titus Welliver. What a I, name. I know. He's got a terrific name and he's a terrific actor. So I like Boss Season One, but I've never watched it beyond. I know Rob has kept up to date with it. I have not, but you got into it. I like it. it.
1: Yeah. How yeah. far into it I are like you? I like it a lot. Are you, are I'm only like,
0: season four. I'm not caught up. I'm okay. not caught up. I'm behind. So you're way but... further into it than I am. Yeah. Yeah. But oh.
1: I like it. I get it because season two, I feel like there was so much momentum with season one and season two was kind of the energy was off. You know when you can feel when someone like lost a writer or yeah. something or switch it up. And it yeah. kind of felt like that. I don't know anything about the writer situation. But um it picks back up, season three. I like the characters. I love the character development. That's All the right. best thing I love about the show. Yeah.
0: All right. Next up, what's up?
1: This is coming from I'm I'm gonna try my best. Madsif Jada Ma- Madsif Jada. Jada. All right. I very much enjoy your special shows like the Disney Investor Stream or covering of of CinemaCon. Hope you go this year. Also think it would be cool if there was a CinemaCon-type film event for the public. It's like called E3 Comic-Con. Like is for games. Would help indie films.
0: Well, here's, first of all, there already is something that's called Comic-Con where everybody can go. I mean, yes, Comic-Con is about much more than movies, but let's face it. They're very, very heavily movie-based. Uh, wouldn't help indie films at all because... Much as many indie films are ignored by the public when they're in theaters, they would be ignored by people at conventions. Mm-hmm. I, that's not the way it should be. It totally shouldn't be that way. But it is the way that it is. CinemaCon, it's funny, me and uh, Rob and Dennis were talking about this last night. CinemaCon is my favorite event of the year. I like it more than, than Comic-Con. Really? Uh, yeah, because for a couple things. Um, so... At Cinemacon, and most people have never been to it, because you have to be a member like of the film exhibition or movie theater industry or a studio to even go. Because what this is is put on by the movie theater. It, it's put on by um NATO, the like North the- American theater theater owners. And yeah, all the studios come and they make these big presentations. And what happens is it's held in Caesar's Palace in the um uh, Oh, a Celine Dion theater in Caesar's Palace. So it's okay. like holds like fifteen thousand people. Oh my god! And what happens is Disney will come in and do like a two-hour presentation of here's everything we've got coming up in the next year. This to be playing in it's your like their Hall H kind of movie theaters. Oh yeah, but it's Hall H on steroids. Nice. So then once there, then Paramount does like an hour and a half or two-hour presentation, and they'll give us like a ten-minute look at every single movie they have coming, and all that kind of stuff. Then on top of that, almost every studio will do a special surprise screening. So, like, I remember back in the day, the Joel Edgerton movie warrior, not the TV show, but the one with Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton and Nick Nolte, that's the first time I saw it was, like, three months before it came out in theaters because they played it there. And they played played Avengers. I think they played Infinity War uh, at thing before it ever hit theaters. I want to go to there. Oh, it's great. And when you're press, unlike Comic-Con, which is a pain in the ass. Cause you get to do these press lines, but you're literally in a press line with like 80 other press. And then they come down, you get like 30 seconds with each person to get them. a little, It's like, sometimes I'll get these little exclusives and that's nice. But at CinemaCon, when they do a press line, there's like eight outlets and you get like a good five to what? 10 minutes with every single one that comes down. And Which I sounds- got to actually like hang out and meet and chat a lot with like Ryan Reynolds, Jason Bateman, Hugh Jackman, uh, Colin Farrell, um, like on and on and on at things like CinemaCon, then they book out the, cl- like they'll book out a big major club, like one of the most major clubs in, um, in, uh, Vegas. And they'll have like these private CinemaCon parties. They give her these swag goodie bags. I love a swag bag. It, and they ha- always have these go. big luncheons and dinners and things like that that you get. To- it is the best event of the year. Now here's a little secret there is a way to go I was just gonna say what a girl gotta do here's the thing how can I get up in this club there is a way to go you can become an approved uh journalist for it and it's hard to get these but I've already been on their approved journalist list for a while so you can go and I bring Rob with me because I get him to fill out the application he just writes in that he's a part of the John Campus show and he gets us if you want to go I'm maybe a
1: part of the John maybe Campion we show. can figure out a way
0: for you to go too. But you know what I did start doing at the last one? Hmm. I didn't. Rob went as a journalist. But here's the little secret. You can buy a ticket to go. And you don't have to be a part of the industry. The tickets are $1,200 per
1: person.
0: (laughs) $1,200 per person. You get a few extra perks. Uh, nothing too huge, but the last CinemaCon, I decided to actually buy myself a professional badge, and I paid the twelve hundred bucks. What? Why? Gosh, if it's made free for it me, because I want to see oh, what goodness. what the what the different experience. I've gone to about four or five CinemaCons and wanted to see what the extra little benefit, the extra bonuses would be. And it was nice. I I enjoyed it actually. I might do it the same way this year, but if you want to go to CinemaCon, go to CinemaCon's website. And you can go, you can buy a badge. It's just real, real expensive. Hmm. But I, fr- then don't this forget, on, awesome. on top of that, you got to get yourself a room in Vegas for the day. So it's, I mean, then you're going to. What time gonna, of
1: year does it take place?
0: It, nor- oh, normally it takes place every, I believe, July. But it's, they decided, hold a second. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, cinema, uh, Con. 2020 2021 normally it's in july but i guess they figured this year july might be cuz they had to cancel last year's uh i figured this year they're thinking july might still be a little bit early so this year's is going to be august 20s yeah august 23rd to august let me get this you right. You know, I August think you're going to be 26th. a little
1: too tired. I think I'm going to have to go, like, in your place, man. You're, maybe, yeah, you have maybe.
0: so much on your plate. And yeah, I might have to. De- Are you saying you need to you delegate? Know,
1: I'm here to support. You're saying? So, Are you here uh... for
0: me to delegate? <laughs> now, they, normally they put up the schedule. They obviously don't have their schedule up right now. But it is, honestly, it is the best event of the year. Uh, if you're a movie fan, there's no better thing. Because the, remember, the studios aren't just there. Pr- presenting to fans they're presenting to the theaters trying to get the theaters to book as many of their theaters as possible for these upcoming movies so they go the extra mile to get the theater owners nice. and managers and staff pumped up for these movies nice. the presentations are always great and uh yeah i'm definitely going this year i'm definitely going this year so. i think
1: you need some so, some emotional support we can talk and about I that think I, I should we can talk about it out, you know all right what's next Sarah Big Tits McGee (laughs) says, (laughs) hello, John and Rob. I'm surprised y'all haven't spoken more about the Conjuring universe. Why you might shout, why you might shout. Yep. That's what she said. Well, they're doing exactly what you and Rob always bemoan about. Making movies with mid-level budgets and every single one has generated good money.
0: Most of them have. Most of them have. Here's the thing. We have talked about and covered every single Conjuring Universe movie from The Nun to The Annabelles to Conjurings 1, 2, and 3. Um, I I watched Conjuring 3. I didn't think Conjuring 3 was great. It's not bad. The Devil Made Me Do It. It's a terrible title. Um, (laughs) But it's... um, Here's the thing. I put this in a tweet after I watched it. Conjuring Three: The Devil Made Me Do It works kind of works as a murder mystery. It really it feels more like a murder mystery with a few okay. horror elements. It to me it doesn't actually work all that much as a horror film.
1: Do they have a lot? I haven't seen it. Do they have a lot of? I know there's like a court story. Like, not, is not it a not lot much of court in the stuff? stuff. Not oh, much okay. happens.
0: There okay. is one scene though that is pretty funny. There is one scene. A ghost picks up the gavel and knocks it yeah. in the head. <laughs> I object. No, there's this one scene where uh, Ed and Lorraine are trying to talk to this defense attorney to get her to take up the case of this kid who you see in the trailers that he's murdered somebody, but, you know, they're saying he's pos- he was possessed when he did it. And the defense attorney is saying, like, no, I can't take this case. That's nonsense. And, and that's the scene that you hear in the trailer when he says, every time the court swears in a, in a witness, it acknowledges the existence of God. It's about time they ex- acknowledge the existence of the devil, right? Yeah. It's in this conversation with this defense attorney that they're trying to get to take this kid's case. And Ed and Lorraine then say to, t- say to her, says, okay, tell you what, why don't you come over to our place for dinner? We'll show you our evidence we'll introduce you to Annabelle. And then if you still don't believe any of it, you don't have to take the case. And then it's a hard cut to her in court with the kid defending him. <laughs> but I just love the line When he says, when you come over to our police for dinner, we'll show you our, our research and we'll introduce you to Annabelle. And, I, and then a perfect hard cut to the course. One of my favorite parts of the movie. Again, it's an all right movie, but here's the thing, Sarah, uh, or, or miss big tits as you will. Um, it, it's not just about making mid-level budget movies. You also got, we'll talk about you more if you make great movies. And we've, we've talked about all the, there's a couple of the Conjuring movies I really love, particularly the second Annabelle movie. The first Annabelle movie, garbage. The second Annabelle movie, I actually quite liked a lot. And the first two Conjuring films, I thought were, were really good. And we've talked about them all, but just doing one thing the right way doesn't make your movie great. And while I think the Conjuring franchise, I mean, yeah, the first Annabelle. It's tough when
1: you start a universe like that from a horror film, you know, because it's horror. Horror is all about the suspense and the the scares and the story. And so I feel like it's really tough to start a universe out of horror because they haven't done a bad job. I inherently know what I'm getting, but they haven't done a bad job. I mean, look,
0: the thing is the conjuring universe to me is a bit of a mixed bag because while I do really like conjuring one and two and the second Annabelle movie, the reality is they also did the nun and the nun was great trailers, awful movie. They also did Annabelle one and three. And so it's a, it's a mixed bag. So we're not going to go like go on and on all the time about a, a hit and miss franchise. Like great. Yeah. They're, they're mid legend. I mean, talk about Blum, like Blumhouse. He's the master of that right now. Wow. But, you know, you also gotta make great movies for us to talk about even more and again the conjuring is a is a hit and miss. So we'll see how they do moving forward. All right, what's next?
1: Film Lovin' Bro says, Glad you're enjoying Warrior. I appreciate that this show takes place during a time in U.S. history we don't see in TV and film. Anti-Chinese and the resulting Exclusion Act. That's sadly still relevant today, and the action and filthy ain't bad either.
0: Yeah, again, one of the things that I really appreciate about the show is that it deals with some societal and political issues going on at the time that are uncomfortably familiar with a lot of the things that are going on today. And I think that's good for us to watch and understand. You know, the old saying, you know, anybody who ignores the past or the or history is doomed to repeat it. And I think that's true here, too. But it's also got all the glorious... Uh, visceral things in it. The action, the sex, all that kind of stuff, all wrapped up with great characters and great story and uh, I'm really enjoying it. All right, what's next? Caleb says, some more
1: 1994 films I'd like to recommend. Forrest Gump, The Mask, Speed, Speed, Clear and present danger, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Ace Ventura, The Crow, Heavenly Creatures, Star Trek Generations. Nineteen ninety four was stacked.
0: It really is. I remember after somebody was asking about the films of nineteen ninety four, and I'm like, I don't remember what comes in nineteen ninety four. I went back and looked up a list. It's ridiculous. Dang,
1: I didn't realize.
0: It's that absolutely- was you just name like. Let a me, bunch of films that I absolutely love. Let me bring this up here. And don't if sleep I on can Clear and Present it. Danger either. Okay, listen, listen to this, okay? Listen to some of these films from 1994. Uh, obviously, Lion King, Forrest Gump, which won Best Picture that year. It shouldn't have. Shawshank Redemption should have had because Shawshank Redemption is a top three, four, or five greatest film of all time. Anyway, uh, True Lies, my favorite action film of all time. Uh, clear and Present Danger, Speed, The Mask. I love The Mask. Mrs. Doubtfire. Interview with a Vampire, Maverick, Schindler's List. Maverick. Uh, at least I it says it. here it came out that Schindler's List is, is listed in that year. Um, the Tom Hanks movie, Philadelphia, which he won Best Actor <gasps> Denzel. for. Denzel. With Denzel Antonio Washington. Antonio Banderas. The original yes. Stargate came out that year. Wolf came out that year. Uh, Dumb and Dumber came out of that year. Dang. Four Weddings and a Funeral came out that year. Already mentioned The Crow, The Pelican Brief. Natural Born Killers, Angels in the Outfield, came out that year. Um, uh, This is like quintessential 90s awesomeness. Tombstone. I'm your Came out that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shadow. I'm like that's a guilty pleasure one, but that Alec Baldwin. The sh- I love that the was shadow, uh, sure. Alec Baldwin, right? Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Ma- I love Major League Two. Major League Two. I like better than Major League One. The very few. Uh, uh, I miss those movies. Oh, so do I. Shadowlands came out. I love Shadowlands. Came out that year. um <laughs> The piano came out that year. Uh, what else came out that year anyway? That year, oh, with honors came out that I really like with honors that came out that year. Quiz show with I, I believe Ray Fine stars in that one. Yeah. Quiz show came out that year. That one, some that got a bunch of Oscar attention, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. That came out that year. I mean, that that is a stacked, stacked, stacked year. And I remember going back and reading through that, it's like, man, like I. I wish I knew my movie dates better because I would think about 1994 a lot more. But the reality is I don't. I'm
1: really um, impressed. Dang! But Shawshank I, I'm redemption. Have to just make a list and rewatch
0: stuff. Oh, oh wow. I mean, that's that's a lot of great stuff. Anyway, thanks for bringing that up, man. Okay, what is next?
1: John and Prescott says, Hi, John and Rob. I briefly heard that Harrison Ford might be de-aged for Indy 5. What are your thoughts on this possibility? Also, did you know Indy's first given name was actually Indiana Smith? Thanks. Have a great day and say hi to Ann for me.
0: I believe I have heard that the original name of the character was going to be Indiana Smith. I think I've heard that before. I do not believe they're going to be de-aging Harrison Ford. I I don't think Harrison Ford would probably allow it. You're saying you don't like the way I look. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if there's some flashback stuff, yeah. well, then sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I could see them doing that. But I don't think they're doing, listen, if you're if you're saying Indy is the age he's going to be, let him look the age he's going to be. I mean, I, I don't see any problem with that. Uh, but, again, if they do some flashback stuff, I don't know. Would you be bothered if they did some digital de-aging of, uh, of Harrison Ford in this?
1: No, no, I wouldn't be bothered, but I feel like Harrison Ford's the kind of person that you can just build that story of his age into it so well, and he can deliver so well, I feel like it would be unnecessary. While it wouldn't bother me, it would feel unnecessary, but who knows what they're doing. They might, they might jump a little bit. I mean, because let's see, he's 80. Is he 80? I don't think he's 80 yet. Old or is he 70? Will he be 80? I think someone said he'll be 80 when the movie comes out. So no, be, I don't think
0: that's, what is he? Um, I don't think he's, I think he's 78. Seventy-eight years old. So, okay. And is well, he's about to turn seventy-nine. So, so he will be eighty, will be 80 well, at the time this comes out. Actually, that's true. He will be eighty. By the way, somebody pointed. We often talk about how he is now X number of years older than Sean Connery was mm-hmm. when Sean Connery plays dad. Yeah. But I saw another one recently. He is now two years older than the guy who played old Indiana Jones in the young Indiana Jones stories.
1: Oh, when River Phoenix was, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're like
0: old Indiana Jones and that show was like 76. And he says, now Harrison Ford is older than that guy was. Wow. So, I mean, wow, indeed. But listen, when you look at the way Harrison Ford, forget just the way he can still act, the way he can still physically move the way he still is able to carry a role and all that kind of stuff, I would never guess he's turning eighty. I would never guess it. Like this, this guy. I mean, obviously immortal. he keeps himself in great shape. He
1: survived what, like two, three plane crashes? Self plane <laughs> crashes? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what are you
0: doing today? I'm bored. I'm gonna get into a plane crash. <laughs> Prove how tough I am. But he just
1: dusts himself off. He walks off. Next like, like,
0: movie. Yeah, I mean, there it is. It was he's one of such a G. Things. He is. He such totally is. All right, what's next? Cap and
1: the winter sidekick say, John, no, sir. No freaking, sir. I told you about warrior over a year ago. You read it live. Instead of saying something about it, you just ignored that part and spoke of when I mentioned Pennyworth. Take
0: all that smack back. Bucky rocks. Okay. So on the show the other day. I I can't remember where it came up. I said, by the way, all of you guys, I'm pissed off at all of you. Because while you guys will go on and on about, I'll get like a hundred recommendations for a single show. uh, I hardly heard anything about Warrior. Why haven't you guys told me about Warrior? Now, yes, I have had some people over the last couple of years mention Warrior to me. Absolutely. But not in the sheer brute force numbers that I've had recommendations for other shows. And I'm always grateful for it. I am. I'm always grateful for them. I'm like, how come you guys have been holding out on me with warrior? So yes, listen, I'm not saying nobody's ever recommended it. Of course they have. I've gotten a few recommendations over the years for warrior. I just wish you guys had been more, more numerous. I wish more of you had told me about warrior. Strength in
1: numbers guys. Get organized.
0: So I could have gotten on this thing sooner than I have, but whatever, I'm watching it now and I'm super happy. And if you were one of the early guys, Cap, to tell me about it, awesome. I just needed more people to do it. And I'm still bitter that I'm so late to the party on it. All right, what's next?
1: Well, Cap in the Winter Sidekick is bitter too because he says, John, I'm literally screaming at you, Warrior, LOL. I know you can't watch everyone's recommendation, but if you listen to me, you'll never go wrong.
0: Yeah, I find normally people who say that usually lead <laughs> me wrong. So
1: I, <laughs> I saw My Ling first. I was in love with the entire show, Bucky Rock.
0: My Ling, uh, who plays a psalm sister in. Uh, oh, well, like uh, My Ling is the name of the character, um, who is a psalm sister in the show. So beautifully complex. I love this show that there's no pure good guy, there's no pure bad guy. Everybody's a mix of things and have their weaknesses and flaws and whatever. And my Ling is one of these characters that you're like, "Oh, she's really good. Oh wait, maybe her heart ain't so good." And then and then she does something really nice and then she does something very dark. And it's like, "But that's This just how people change." Real. So Spent her and uh, uh we were already talking about A Toy. My Ling and A Toy are like They're incredible characters. I love them both amazingly, and I'm really, really... I mean, here's a great example of this. So, Ah Toy, she's this uh, Chinese national... One of the immigrants come over, and she runs this very, very high-class Chinese brothel, right? But she later falls in love with another woman who's trying to get girls out of being prostitutes. And it's like, it's a Hatfields and McCoy thing. It's like, so you got this crusader who's kind of trying to get women out of that life, and her and a brothel owner fall in love and it's like and you it sounds silly. I acknowledge it sounds silly, but it's beautiful. I mean it's the way they do it is really nice and sweet and tender and beautiful anyway. I like the show for so many different reasons. All right, what's next? King Artos
1: of Monteval says, Hey John and Rob, no way, John, I will not take the loss for you, not <laughs> they're gonna come for you, John. Yeah, they're, they're coming for the you right now. Two
0: or three people that actually recommended it to me. They're coming, coming for after you. Me. Um, for you not watching Warrior
1: earlier, one of the first times I wrote back in December 2020, Oh, they came with receipts. I <laughs> recommended Warrior. I was returning the favor because you had been so excited about Kim's convenience right. that I just had to watch. I loved it so much. You pulled up Warrior on IMDb and everything. I told you that it was, cin- it was a Cinemax show. I even wrote back in and gave the update that it was, pu- that it was put On HBO Max. So, that is your loss to behold.
0: All in good fun. That reminds you, back when the show first came out, I probably didn't even, even if I wanted to have watched it, I probably couldn't have because I don't think I ever had Cinemax uh, by any stretch. I probably wasn't going to go out and get Cinemax for a show. Yeah, I'm glad
1: they put on HBO Max because I'm just not adding another freaking i'm tapped out dude i can't add any more stuff i know there's already so much
0: and there are more on the way but yeah them putting on hbo max i really hope it does for it what kim's convenience what what the two great canadian sitcoms schitt's creek and kim's convenience when those shows Went on to Netflix, suddenly the world noticed and realized these shows are treasures. And I think Warrior going on to I was talking to Dennis about this last night, and Dennis was saying the same thing. I think it never would have gotten noticed, but it being picked up on HBO Max, now everybody's noticing it. And now people are like, This show is awesome. And uh, and hopefully that's gonna be not only are we getting a season three, but hopefully it'll lead to seasons four, five, and six. So we'll see. A lot see of stories to be go. told there. Yep. All right, what's next?
1: Ike Nuoko, this is one of four, had a debate on what makes Thor worthy. My brother says Thor can wield Mjolnir because the only requirement is to be purely selfless and Thor is the only Avenger to achieve pure selflessness because of his arc in his three movies. I feel it's much more complicated if it was as simple as being selfless, more people would be worthy. Yes, being selfless is a part of it, but not, all, not the end-all be-all. You can be selfless and not be worthy. I think Thor's worth, because of his self-actualization, I think it has to do with overcoming the baggage that burdens his own moral character. Thor couldn't pick up Mjolnir because his baggage was his hubris. Once he overcame that, he was able to fulfill the need to be worthy, i.e. self-actualization. To me, being worthy isn't about being worthy. It's about not being worthy and striving to rise above your limitations so that you can fulfill the best you for the for the hammer and the noble intentions you wield it for. Hence, why Cap can wield
0: it. I will go even further than that, Ike. I think it's it's more complicated and more simple than that. Too many people interpret Odin's words, be they worthy, as very, very simple. It's like, oh, such and such did something really good. Can that character wield Mjolnir now? Because look, the reality is, look at the end of Avengers. At the end of the Avengers, Tony Stark is willing to sacrifice his own life flies through the wormhole out there to go out and to take the nuclear missile out into space. And he totally doesn't believing he's going to die doing it. And he self sacrifices himself, taking it through there. How can you be any more worthy than I'm going to lay down my life to save other people? But he couldn't budge the hammer. Once you get into age of Ultron, they're trying to move that hammer. He could, bu- this was a guy who was willing to lay down his life and die for everybody and he's not willing to move the hammer. He's not able to move the hammer. Hammer. Hawkeye, you know, we're like doing everything for the love of family and willing to lay it on. He doesn't even have superpowers. And he's willing to go into battle against aliens and monsters, or whatever, and die if he needs to die to protect people. He wasn't able to budge the hammer. If it was just about being worthy, you don't think any of those people in Thor one, all those people gather around to try to budge that hammer, not one of them was a really good, selfless person. Course, I think it goes way beyond just simple. What does it mean to be worthy? I think there's a lot more attached to that. I think there was more of a existential thing to it as well. Because everybody, I've had so many people writing over the years to say, "Well, this this hero in the MCU did this noble thing. That means they can lift the hammer now, right?" I- I don't know, some dude gave up his paycheck to pay off somebody else's mortgage for the month so they wouldn't lose their home. Can that guy lift the hammer? Probably. I don't think that's what Odin had in mind. So I agree and disagree, Ike. Like, I, I do think it is far more complex than just a, what does it mean to be worthy? And I think there's a very specific thing involved in that. Not to mention, there's obviously in the MCU a sentience to Mjolnir. Mjolnir has its own sentience as well, and it judges itself. As to who can lift him and who doesn't. So uh, I agree. I think it's a very, very small number of people. But I think there are people who are morally better than Thor who probably couldn't lift the hammer either. So I I think when you think about that question in the MCU, what does it mean to be worthy? What instantly comes to your mind when you think of that?
1: To me, I think about the total package because it's about being leader. So it takes me back to Thor 1 when... Um, he's Odin is making when you know he gets in, interrupted by the frost giants because in the ceremony where he's making him king. So it's the total package. Are there good people? Yes, but having the character and the all around bravery and having the integrity to be king. Because here's the thing if you were to set all these people before the people of Asgard and say, Who do you want to be your king based on worthiness? They would pick Thor. not and, and it's not that they wouldn't look at Tony and go, oh, you're selfish. No, they would see, wow, you did self-sacrifice, but he's got everything to be king. It's leadership. Mm. It's bravery. It's integrity. Some people are brave and they'll save a woman, but then they'll go you know, switch money into their bank account that doesn't belong to them. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So it's the total package. It's, it's, it's what it takes to be a royal is almost what it makes me think of. And there's a lot of wonderful people that couldn't take the royalty. And and if you think about it, it's also the pressure of continuously having people rely on you. Asgard relies on Thor as their king, their source, their leader all the time. Tony has events... Where he's like, let's go out and cook some ass. let's go out and save the world. But he's not governing. you know so yeah I I, I
0: it's a total like that. the whole idea that when he says worthy it's not just about worthy being a good person. are you worthy to be a king? And because Scott Lang, ant man is not worthy to be a king. No. Tony Stark is not worthy to Mm-mm. be a king. Thor is worthy to be a king. Steve Rogers is worthy to be a king.
1: If Steve Rogers went to Asgard and it was a line of people- They make him king. And they say, look, if Thor dies, you know, Odin's gone, they would look at Steve Rogers and go and look at, you're the guy that jumped on a bomb. You're the guy that had the wits to just take the thing out and make the flagpole fly down. You're the guy that leads other people. You're the guy that rescues people and then goes right back into the same place to fight another battle they would pick him to be king. That's the difference. It's leadership.
0: Yeah, I like that. Now, listen, I also kind of like that the MCU has always been a little bit ambiguous about it. Like, they've never been straight up. Okay, here's what it means. Like, they didn't, um, MCU movie doesn't stop in the middle of nothing. And then they get Michael Peña's Luis no from Man Man to come in. Okay, yeah. here's what it means to be worthy of Thor's <laughs> hammer. And uh, they've never done that. I kind of wish they would. That would be fun. But they've never so, done that. here's the story. So <laughs> it's left up to us to kind of interpret it. All right, we've got time for just a couple more. What's next?
1: This is coming from Brandon Visconti. Hi, John. So I recently watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And I got to say, I was a little worried because James Wan wasn't directing it. But I actually
0: loved the movie. I thought the story was really good. Love the show. Keep up the good work. I'm glad you wrote that in. But listen, I, I already said a little bit earlier, I don't think the movie's great. But it's not bad. It's not bad. Again, when you, to me, when I look at it as a murder mystery... Who done it? Why did this kid suddenly like, who's behind making this kid do this when it works, when when it's functioning as a, as a mystery film, it kind of works. I didn't think it worked so well as a horror. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, Ooh, the lights are going out. Oh, the room is shaking. Ooh. Whatever. But as a mystery, it kind of worked. And I do like the characters of Ed and Lorraine and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't think it was bad. Again, I didn't love it, but I thought it was a pretty good installment of that. I'm glad you enjoyed it on that level, Brandon. All right, let's do one more question today. What's last? Tron says, I'm
1: excited to see Issa Rae join Spider-Verse 2. Watch Insecure if you aren't familiar with her. I agree. Do you think she... Do you think if she is well received in the voice role of Spider Woman, Sony would cast her as live action Spider Woman, or do you think both roles should be separate?
0: First of all, correct me if I'm wrong. Actress from Slim and Slim and uh, no, Queen that's Jodie Turner. That's Jodie Turner. Yeah, that's right. Jodie
1: Turner. Issa Rae, she was in Little, um, with the young lady from Blackish. Issa Rae was in uh, the movie with Camille oh, Nanjiani guess, about that, that... the date okay, yes, that went yes, awry. Yes, yes. And she is an incredible writer and producer of her own show. She used to have a show called Awkward Black Girl on YouTube, which was so funny. And then just her, her, her I love a story. Her come up story is really, really amazing. And she was a self-creator, self-produced. And then HBO co- got a hold of her and they trusted her with this property that she has. And Insecure is such a well-written show, It's so good. It's so funny. And I love her voice too. So I'm excited.
0: Remember, because Little is the one that was... It's a
1: take on Big. uh, Yeah, it's a reverse kind of situation Big.
0: Didn't like the movie that much. Yeah. But she was really good in it. And I I really like the little girl in it too. I thought she was really neat. By the way, that little girl, uh, speaking of CinemaCon... Youngest producer
1: in Hollywood. Congratulations. yeah, Yeah,
0: speaking of CinemaCon, that's where they brought her on stage and said, by the way, she is the youngest person in Hollywood right now to have a first look development deal in Hollywood. I'm like, Fuck that Amazing. kid. Uh, but she's really she's wonderful in the movie. The movie itself wasn't so great. Uh, listen, I, I'm going to, honestly, it no, nobody cares. Nobody cares who does the voice of that character Um, in spider it j- Listen, because it's not the same as acting in, in a movie. Acting in a movie, you got to go, be on set for three months, doing the voiceover, a couple of days, going to a sound booth and reading And the lines. physicality of, of Spider-Woman. And the, fact the physicality of it all, it, it doesn't matter. And honestly... I personally don't like the trend that's been around for about 15 years of instead of getting properly uniquely exclusively trained voice actors who quite frankly would do a better job than nine out of 10 of the Hollywood celebrities who come in and do voices for animated roles. um, They go out and get names. And honestly, it, it tells me nothing about how good or bad a person would be in an actual live action role. And I say that about everybody. I mean, look, there are some exceptions. I can't imagine Shrek without the voice of Mike Myers. Oh, yeah. Sticking with Shrek. Eddie Murphy, are you kidding me? I can't imagine Donkey other than Eddie Murphy doing it. I can't imagine today the voice of Woody not being Tom Hanks. There are a few exceptions. Yeah. But for the most part... Named actors should not be getting these roles, these voice roles. These roles should be going to professionally trained, who exclusive solely on the craft of voice acting, and the movies would end up being even better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Any other actor or actress could go in and do those voices, and they'll do fine, and it'll be the movie will end up being just as good or not good nine times out of ten. So I don't think it matters. So no, I don't think this will have anything to do with whether they cast her in a live action role or not. Nor should it. It shouldn't have any. I wish it was like where.
1: It was just, like, they would stay, like, have, like, one or two celebrity voices, but not the whole cast. Yeah. You know, and by the way, the guy that did the voice for Sebastian, Samuel Wright, he passed away recently in The Little Mermaid that did the that's voice. That's right. I saw that on my You know, my that famous yeah, voice. Yeah. So, you know, that, and that's, but that's just a great example because- not many people knew the face behind the voice, but darn if we don't just love that accent and that voice. And when we hear it, you know, you feel a certain way and regular people and for people who do voiceover like me, I'm like, can you just hire a regular person, please?
0: Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) you know, know, we, we had, you know, somebody who was on the show a lot. Chris Carr is a professional voice actress and she's, she teaches workshops on voice acting. See, to me, these movies would be better if instead of going for the, and I, I get, you're right. You want to have a big name to bring in the audience. Let me be like, oh, that's Clint Eastwood. All uh, these other roles get professional voice trained actors who specifically train for just bringing the voice to these things in order to bring them to life. I'm not saying that real, like the real life actors don't do a good job. I'm just saying it could be even better if you get somebody who's better at it. So I I don't know. That's just kind of my take on it. But with that being said, guys, That'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. Thank you so much for being here, and for being a part of the show. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these comments and questions. Number one, because you give us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here with the show, thank you so much. For that support. I, of course, want to thank Kimberly Curran for being here. Kimberly, thanks thank for being so here. Where can people follow you online?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at wasgoodkimberly. Kim- I can't even say my own name. <laughs> w U Z K I M B E R L Y. On Instagram.
0: And, of course, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and all social media, simply at John Campy, which you can see right down there. Again, thanks for being here today, guys. Remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campy, and Until next time, my friends, bye-bye.